You're listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Wakarusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. We want to welcome you back to the At Home podcast. We're glad that you tuned in today. Today, sitting around the tables, Angie Brenneman and yep. Brant Nine, we're going to continue a conversation today uh, around the Rooted series that we have been doing here at Walker's Missionary Church. And on Sunday, I, I jumped into this message uh, again, kind of part two of chapter two that was dealing with a lot of the false teachers and the false uh, doctrine that was being disseminated and, and, and really how the Lord looked at that and, and his disdain for that as well. Uh, so today we're going to jump in a little bit deeper into some of these conversations, maybe revisit a little bit that transpired throughout that message. But I want to I want to read to you today, the listener, I want to read to you three stories, three headlines, and I'm going to ask that you make sure that you, you stay tuned in until the end of these stories, okay? First story is this. First headline, 31% of pastors in America today are false teachers. Isn't that incredible? 31% of pastors today in America are false teachers. Second story headline, uh, this is regarding the Los Angeles International Airport. Ever been to LAX, either of you guys? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite an airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to travel more, Brant. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the LAX uh, has now added urinals to the women's restrooms. It's crazy. Third story, third topic, and this one hits a little bit closer to home, that a majority of public schools in Elkhart County now provide litter boxes in the restrooms for students to use who identify as pets. Crazy, crazy mm-hmm. stories. Yes. I mean, this is the day and age we live in. Isn't it ridiculous when you listen to, to headlines like this? You can see these types of things on, on, on social media and so on. Here's the deal to the listener. Thanks for staying tuned in. None of these are true. Okay. So let me back up. Let me make sure I'm really clear. None of those headlines are accurate. Uh, first of all, let, let's go back and revisit this for a second. And the 31% of pastors in America today are false teachers. I absolutely made that one up. And so here's what happens. And the reason I wanted to start with some of these stories is when you look at a headline like that, somebody might look and say, well, I know Chris. Yeah. He's a nice guy. I mean, hope hope that's kind of how they feel, but he's a nice guy. He wouldn't say anything wrong, would he? Mm-hmm. And before you know it, by the end of this podcast, as they're listening, it might be on social media that quick just because of a statistic that I shared. I, I had a I had a job back in 2009 to 2013 where I oversaw 72 churches in northern Indiana and southern Michigan, and we had a pastor in one of our churches that his, his downfall was he was always making up statistics. And, and we would we finally got to the point where we're like, where are you hearing this? Show us the facts. Well, I read that somewhere. I don't think you did. But the problem is in order to make himself sound smarter, better, more accurate, uh, then he would make up a bunch of stuff. But the problem is people were starting to believe it, and that's not good. So the LAX story. LAX, mm-hmm. urinals in the women's restroom. The AP uh, did a, a, an investigative report on this, mm-hmm. and they found that it, it was true that there were urinals in the in the women's restroom, except that the women were starting to use the men's restroom because the women's restroom was under construction. And so they just said, hey, we're going to take this men's restroom while this is a temporary construction, and we're going to make it 
a women's restroom, and therefore that happened. Brant, this last one. Now, oh, you're a man. teacher. Tell me what in the world is going on with litter boxes <laughs> I, yeah. in Elkhart County schools. This is ridiculous. I, I had to sit there and, like, bite my tongue as you as I knew that you were reading a false headline there. Um, here's the deal. Indiana law, in fact, I, don't, I can't speak for other states, but Indiana law states that in order to have any type of animal inside of a school, it has to be for educational purposes or therapeutic purposes. And so <clears throat> I'm going to quote Scott Croner, but it's not going to be word for word. But basically, to sum up his frustration with that claim, he said in order for a student to identify as as a pet in our school system, they would have to be approved as a therapy animal or some, <laughs> something along those lines. I don't want to misquote him. Uh, but Basically, he's saying that's just ridiculous, and it is. It is absolutely ridiculous. People hear that there's litter boxes and that kids are uh, considering themselves furries, uh, and, and that that is something that kids are are trying to do. But schools are not recognizing that as as truth, at least in Indiana. Now, I do believe the story originated from a, a public school in Washington D.C., where maybe there was one student that that was getting away with this, and one school system that was doing this, but guys, this isn't happening here. And it just blows my mind how many people believe that it is. And then they start to spread it without even researching for themselves or looking into things themselves. Yeah. I think, um, just what you said, Chris, that all these things that you said were false, but somehow somebody's going to take it and like spread it out there fast and furious on social media. But I think that is, um, proving a point that right now in our world, it shows the human nature of a desire for what sensationalism or um, emergency and everything is an emergency. Everything's a big deal. And nobody really understands that. Wait, let's pause and reflect. Was that really true? I mean, this happens not just with those statements and how quickly people just believe the statement, but it happens with, you know, we talk about a snowstorm. What happens? It, all of a sudden, we're getting two inches, and then we're getting 20 inches. Yeah. And it's just blown up and exaggerated. And I think it just plays, and it shows our human nature is really gullible and very much plays to the idea that there's something big that's going to happen or something's out there, and let's just talk about it. Yeah, Aslan in The Magician's Nephew, the Narnia series, has this famous quote that I always love to dive into with my students, and it says, uh, what you see and what you hear depends a great deal on where you're standing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's so true. Uh, what we see or what we hear, what we take in as truth depends on where we're getting our information from. And, mm -hmm. and we do. We tend to believe. I, I guarantee when Chris said 31% of pastors in America today are false teachers, if he would have kept going on that, somebody would have jotted that down in a journal. Yeah, uh, or maybe because even in their Bible, right? Because they trust Chris. It's a, it's you. They have a relationship. They trust you. But what right. you're saying is true, and we kind of make that assumption that whatever you know somebody says that we oh well I believe him. He wouldn't really you know right. blow up the um, number, and it, maybe you know th that is true. Let's let's talk about that. How does that happen? And it just gets blown up and out of proportion really fast. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, it's scary how fast. Uh, and be, and then in the day and age, the digital age that we live in with social media, Twitter and, and Facebook and such like that, and things just snowball so quickly. You know, a number of these stories, like the, the litter box one, I've, I've heard it within our own church. Yeah. Like I heard it in the lobby in our church. And I remember, I remember thinking, 
that's not right. Like, but good people are being misled at different times. And so sometimes I think we get this attitude like, well, I would never fall for a false teacher. I mean, I would never fall for that. But, but, but we do if we don't continue to mature in the faith <laughs> and understand how to watch out for false teaching so that we don't slide into that. Right. And it's natural as um, even uh, sitting in church and hearing um, people talk in a lobby or like we have, our nature is to be drawn into the the story of something, and whether that story originates from truth, I think often we we set in that and we just really believe it. Like just you know, you could tell me, well, you know, I'm doing this today, and I would believe you, but there's a story that went behind it, and I would definitely have to say, you know. Um, look at myself and say, is he really, he's, I trust him. He, he didn't do what he said. And we get caught in that, even in the lobby of our church here. <laughs> so to the listener who is uh, tuned into this episode, before we walked up to our studio today, uh, I said to Angie and to my wife, Shauna, who are both sitting in the office area, I said, this is how I'm going to start the podcast. And I read three headlines. I didn't tell them they're false, but Brant, before I even got them out, like both of them are like, no, come on. That's not right. I don't think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hang on a second. I'm trying to make a point here. Maybe you're not so trustworthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does that say? What does that say that my wife pounced right. that quickly? Going, I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, I think Sunday you laid out some really great points. And last podcast, we, we talked about the importance of even when you're talking about studying Studying a counterfeit, knowing that something that's not true, you have to study what is true. You have to know the basis of what you're basing your overall truth on. And you laid out some really great points, and that's something we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, Tim Challies, uh, again, I'll reference him because a lot of the, the the framework for that message came from a blog post that he had with regards to uh, being able to test against false doctrines. Uh, you can check him out at timchallies.com. And uh, it was interesting. Uh, to me, I thought it gave a good framework. Uh, Tim and I wouldn't believe, I don't know him actually, but uh, we wouldn't probably line up on 100% of our theology. But I thought in this area, he really nailed it. And, and the issue was, how do I test uh, false doctrine? And, and he started with this test. You have to ask yourself, what is the origin of this uh, doctrine? So he said this, sound doctrine originates with God. False doctrine originates with someone or something created by God. But going back and asking the concept, asking the question, where did this come from? What's the origin? Now, let's, let's play this out again. Those three headlines that I just read. Uh, did you all play the telephone game ever growing up? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That is, that's a picture, I think, of this. Mm-hmm. Even like you were saying in, in the lobby, you can hear different conversations. And you, you start to track back the origin. Well, where did you hear this? Well, you know, Brant, Brant Nine told me. <laughs> you know, well, Brant's you start trustworthy, going, yeah. but is he really yeah. trustworthy? <laughs> right. But, but then you'd have to ask the question, well, where did Brant hear it, you know, and so on like that. Because I think sometimes we take the origin, we go, I heard it from so-and-so, but where did they actually get that from? Mm -hmm. And that's this test of of origin. I think that we also need to do a scripture or doctrine. Right. This is something that happens really regularly around our kitchen table because the kids come home and they say something and we're like, okay, where did that come from? You know, where did you hear that? How did you get that information? Because it wasn't from us and it as I'm pretty sure it didn't come from God's word. So where did it come from? How does that make it true? And I think we have to ask ourselves so many that we get caught that we just believe it because it's on the internet. Mm-hmm. 
And that's not necessarily truth. I, I used to tell parents who, who would come into parent-teacher conferences and they would say, you know, Billy's saying this is happening here at school. And, and you know, we I would listen to understand what's going on, but also I would challenge them and say, if you believe 100% of what Billy tells you is happening at school, then I'm going to believe 100% of what Billy's telling me that's happening at home. <laughs> and then their whole demeanor just changed. They're like, point taken, okay? <laughs> and and there's, there's, this, there's this thing inside of every child. In fact, there's a book, I think it's called Why Kids Lie, right? But even adults even take 100% of what their kids tell them sometimes as truth. And that just mm-hmm. goes to show you like we are so easily swayed yeah. mm-hmm. if we're taking children's word for it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting because parents could be dealing with lying in their home about something that happened at home, but all of a sudden outside the home, well, that must be truth. Right. All of a sudden, right. like, oh, wait a second, how did the character change all of a sudden, yeah. you know, in that right. as well? Right. But I think it's an awareness of our um, human nature. Like you said, we we really believe our, even our children right. in what they're saying. And really, we have to be aware of how we're, how we're gathering information, where it's coming from, and what the filter is that we have. And that's the key on origin. But the thing is, why and how we get to where that comes from is the next point, which is... Yeah, the test of authority. So once we ask the question of of origin, then I think we have to come, and Tim Challies leaves, leaves this out well, and he says you have to run it through the test of authority. And this is how he says it. Sound doctrine grounds itself in a, its authority within the Bible, whereas false doctrine grounds its authority outside of the Bible. What did you think of that when you when you saw that? Well, for me, I 100% agree, but that's because, you know, I know the scriptures and what they say. And this is one of the key points is, um, I think A.W. Tozer says, what you, um, what you know about or what you say about God is the most important thing about you. Mm-hmm. And so you have to know how you look at God, how he's given us the ordained scriptures that reveal himself, reveal truth and who he is, because we laid out what truth was last week. It's God's opinion on any matter. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have to go and we have to look and say, what is that authority? Well, I, I believe in the scriptures to be full authority and full without in any inconsistencies. That's the whole deal is a lot of times people say, well, what about this? Or I want to take this. And I think the, um, the verse that I go back to so many times is Second Timothy 3 that says all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize, oh, wait, wait, what? And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. And it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. You know, I I think I want to jump into something here that I didn't get full on into in the message, and that is a translation. Um, I think there's a lot of confusion today around translations, and there are tons of biblical translations out there. Uh, I, I want to, just for the listener, maybe do a little bit of research on the internet. Um, that's a bad, that's not always a good thing, is it? <laughs> Here we're talking about truth. Just Google just it. It'll Google be true. It. It's you know? so true. But, but actually, there's some really good resources out there that talk about how Scripture has been translated. There is word-for-word translation. A lot of that would be things like the NASB, word-for-word out of the Greek or the Hebrew. It's word-for-word translation. Uh, there's thought-for-thought translations, and that means they're going to take the whole of 
of that concept, and they're going to interpret it exactly as it was interpreted out of the Greek and Hebrew, but it, they might have a little nuance of a word here or there, but it's thought for thought so that you don't miss the context of what that section of Scripture or what that verse in particular is saying. And then there's paraphrase. Paraphrase is somebody's narrative, somebody's interpretation of this, and they're writing it more, picture more like writing out a scripture in a journal as you would interpret it, or as you would think it through. Paraphrase. So my challenge to people is get a good translation of the scripture. Get a word for word, uh, like an NASB or an ESV. Um, I think look for thought for thought, New Living Translation. That's one I use a lot. I like that one. Uh, NIV. Uh, how about even New King James or King James? But land in a in a good translation of scripture. That way, you when you do the authority test, you're looking back at a translation, and you're not spending time in a paraphrase uh, where you can then maybe pull out little bits here and there. Now, listen to me. I don't have, personally, I don't have a problem with paraphrases. I use the message and so on. I'll, I'll look at it because sometimes I just want to hear another way of saying it. But that is not what I deem authoritative. I look at the word-for-word or the thought-for-thought translations and say, that is authoritative. Make right. sense? And I think it's really important to point out that the reason we have to go to Scripture and how we trust it, how we use its authority, the, the doctrine of Scripture actually is the foundation for every other doctrine that's formed because we're gaining that other doctrine from the scripture. And I think sometimes we, we kind of say, well, I'll grab this doctrine over here. Well, no, what's your first thing you go back to is what does the scripture say? What is the authority that exists right there in the pages of God's word? Yeah. That's really important. I think sometimes where this gets sideways is in the word of faith movement. This is my take, because I do believe that sometimes like a prophet or somebody who's deemed a modern day prophet might have a word on this or something new to say about it. This is where you have to come back and test it against the authority of Scripture. Does that contradict Scripture? Is it matching with the authority? That's why I think we have to be, as followers of Jesus, fully vested in Scripture, maturing, growing in that faith so that we can identify when things get sideways. Okay, so, you know, this is a great question. What happens if two teachers both claim the authority of the Bible while teaching very different things? How can we know whose interpretation is correct? Yeah, because they can't both be right. Right. Which then goes to the third test, as Tim Challies lays it out, and that is the test of consistency. Uh, making sure that is consistent with Scripture, and this is what he says about it. Sound doctrine is consistent with the whole of Scripture. False doctrine is inconsistent with some parts of Scripture. And this is where we find uh, the issue of picking verses out of Scripture and hanging a theology on it and missing the entirety of the context of what actually is being taught. Mm-hmm. Brant, do you believe in consistency and how important it is? Actually, I really believe in consistency. Yep. So here's the thing. Uh, Jake Simons and I have another podcast called uh, The Power. Well, it's actually fill in the blanks. And right now our first season is The Power of Blank. And the next episode that we're about to release here soon is called The Power of Consistency. Um, and, and a lot of times we're looking at it in, in the through the lens of a teacher and a parent. Here's what I'll say about consistency. Consistency, being consistent, allows you to manage those you're leading. And so, you know, we look at it from a classroom standpoint, and we want to have routine, we want to have consistency, so that when our 
kids or our students walk into the room, they know what the expectation is um, and they know how it's going to be carried out. And, and they just understand the routine of the day. You have that classroom management, you have that management in, in, um, in your family. Um, so what I'll say is this, if you don't have the consistency or if you waver in that consistency, then things start to get out of control or kids start to view things as, uh, well, I'm going to test the waters here because things are different from time to time. And so you just lose that, that control, um, without consistency. So, well, I think it goes to the point that we have to remember that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that consistency of who God is never changed. Like it doesn't change. And I, and I think we think maybe, well, he's not really faithful because he, you know, let me down here or wait, you know, maybe this, no, he doesn't change. And that, that Tozer quote still plays to this, how you think about God says so much about yourself and your own viewpoint of how you're defining truth, because God is the same. He's good. He is faithful. Yes, he's just. And he does say, you know, justice is mine. You know, I will uh, act out that. But he, throughout scripture, he is so consistent. And we have to look at the whole entire story of God and not just one little point. Because that tells not only of his love, but that he is love. He's not just. He doesn't give us love. He is love. You know, he doesn't just, he's not just faithful to us. He is faithful. He's holy. He's all those things. And that's what scripture overall and the whole story tells us and not just picking out just one or two things. One challenge that I didn't, I, I had a lot to cover on yes. Sunday, so I couldn't get to a lot of things. But when it comes to uh, tele-evangelists or even cults and world religions, uh, but let me talk to, to, to the tele-evangelism side of things. Now, not everybody on television is bad. I don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater. However, there are a lot of them that are not good. Uh, I would challenge somebody when it comes to this idea of consistency. Watch one of those sermons. Ask yourself how much scripture is actually being taught. Not a lot. If you'll look in those, it's not a lot of scripture that's being taught. If it is a lot of, if it is scripture that's appearing in those broadcasts, the scripture tends to be a verse or, or two verses, but they never say. Let me read to you. Uh, let's let's look at this whole chapter, or let's look at consider the history of this. Let me let me paint a picture of what was actually going on in this time, so we understand the context. Context is never really a priority in those because they're trying to make a point, and that is there's a selfish motive behind it. And I think that's where we can test consistency is the point that they're making consistent with what the text actually says. And I would say a lot of times it's not. That's a problem. Which which then leads us to the next point, which you um, laid out was the test of spiritual growth. Yeah. Uh, Tim Challey says this sound doctrine is beneficial for spiritual health, whereas false doctrine leads to spiritual weakness. Health and weakness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Well, I think we talked about it a little bit uh, in the last one that, um, as James uh, states, that, you know, the devil's out prowling around trying to devour um, those that are weak and uh, maybe lacking uh, a real growth and um, root system that we've kind of established in this podcast. And I think we have to be aware of our own 
weakness, our sin nature. And I think we don't like to talk about sin very often. Wait, we don't make mistakes. We're, uh, uh, you know, a lot of masks we've said we wear to say that we've got it together. Uh, this is the part that truth lays out that it's okay not to have it together. That's where Jesus's mercy grace comes in and we live it out in our lives. And I think that spiritual weakness that can be totally a, a point of, um, I guess you could say baseline for us. Are we growing? Are we are we developing good fruit? We can develop bad fruit. That it's really true. You can have bad fruit in your in your walk. And but are we developing that good fruit that uh, we see happening? You know, you were on Sunday. You you referenced Joel Olstein, and uh, I saw a video. I don't know a few months ago. And Joel was up on on his stage with thousands of people in the crowd, and he was saying, God sees 99% of you are good people. And then the video stopped, and there was a pastor going, no. I mean, only because Jesus died are you looked at as righteous. You, We are bad. Mm-hmm. Like, we are all broken. But we're preaching this prosperity gospel. That isn't, that isn't leading to spiritual growth. Not at all. And actually, one of his lead-ins that he does every every sermon, he'll stand and he'll get he'll have everybody hold up their Bible and say the Bible is this. And he goes, he has a long long statement. But one of the comments he makes in there is, I believe that I am who this says I am. But the problem is he doesn't teach that I am who this says I am. Right. I mean, his his he'll go on and, and say this is all about righteousness. We are righteous uh, in that because God is a God of love. But he doesn't also talk about God of justice. And that becomes a problem. When I when I look at this list <clears throat> and I see origin, authority, consistency, and then I follow it up with spiritual growth. If a follower of Jesus is intentional about maturing in the faith, they are in the word, the 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 origin, they are in the authoritative word, they are seeing the consistency of scripture. Spiritual growth should be the outcome of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The problem is when we're Sunday morning Christians and we're not Monday morning Christians or Tuesday morning Christians, when we're only Sunday morning Christians, we're not applying the truth of Scripture. We're, we, we aren't growing. That's my take. We aren't growing because we're not maturing in the faith. And, and to plateau is not growth. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in the last episode. I think, you, you know, unfortunately, we have sp- spiritual maturity levels of like third grade in some levels and and parents aren't going to be able to raise their children beyond that because Mm -hmm. that's all they can invest i think we've heard it in scripture say you know it's like a sword it pierces deep not many of us like pain like we avoid pain we avoid the hurt but scripture actually takes and rebukes us and changes us if you you can uh read scripture and if it doesn't change you is it really just coming and sinking in, making a big impact in your life? I, I have to say that I have to push back and say, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's really sinking in, if it doesn't change you. Because it hurts. That, 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 it pierces deep into the bone and marrow of us to change us, to rebuke us, to lead us into living out God's uh, call on our life. Right. It, it kind of reminds me of that Remember the Titans quote when Petey's looking at sunshine. He's like, you don't want to know. You don't want to know because of that the the pain that might come out of that. There's growth in pain. Hannah Brencher, one of my favorite authors, talks about going through this refining fire, and that's how you come out as gold on the other side. But you got to be willing to go through the fire. Got to be willing to stand in there. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The last uh, test of uh, false doctrine was the test of godly living. He simply says, sound doctrine has value for godly living. False doctrine, whereas, has uh, leads to ungodly living. And and to me, when I look at this, I think about the, the verse that you had already read out of Second Timothy. Yeah. Really, it, that is the foundation for mm-hmm. that. But I saw this quote, and I can't remember if it was Tim Challies or if I found it somewhere else, uh, but it simply said, truth has not been grasped until it has been lived. Mm-hmm. That's application. Now, are we applying what we know as truth to our life? And I think that's critical for us. Right. And I think this is a simple uh, back to school um, thing that we've always said, garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. And if we're really putting God's word into our life, it will show up into our heart, into our mind. It will show up in our everyday actions, in our relationships at home, in our parenting, in our marriage, in the people that we're um, coming across. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode. Hopefully you're you're able to take something out of the further conversation from Sunday morning sermons. We're glad that you tune in. Um, we're getting some good feedback from folks, so thank you for the feedback we are getting. Uh, we ask that you take time to maybe share this with a friend that could benefit from topics surrounding this sermon series, Rooted. Uh, but we'll look again next week uh, at chapter 3, so if you do want to do a little bit of reading ahead, uh, you can jump into Second Peter chapter 3. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for all who have been tuning in. Uh, guys, thanks for another good conversation. Thanks for joining us here. Uh, until next time, we wish you grace and peace. At Home, the podcast is produced by the Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting walkiemc.org and clicking on the At Home tab. Thanks for listening.